safe to say, uh, I think golf is long overdue for this kind of, you know, look. And I feel like we couldn't have had a better year to, to, to get our cameras rolling. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are gathered here this morning to pay our respects to our patio. Though we barely knew it, it made such an indelible mark on our lives. Rest in peace, you stone-washed piece of brilliance. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of The Bunkered Podcast. Michael McEwen here. <laughs> no prizes for guessing what we're going to be discussing on this week's episode, but there is loads, loads to get through. It's a jam-packed episode. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you to Callaway for their continued support. And good morning to Bunkered Editor Bryce Ritchie. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. You're better than me, as you can probably yeah, you tell. Yeah, you sound very good. You sound a bit muffled. Yeah, a little bit nasal. We've got the chills, have we? Or just a bit of a tickly um, throat? Or? Absolutely full on cold. Really? I went out for a walk on Sunday night, listened to a podcast, <clears throat> just went for a wee stroll and woke up the next day, shivers. That was yesterday. And then woke up again this morning, having slept for an hour, feeling like death warmed up. So the aircon is blasting in the studio this morning. I know, it's morning. bloody freezing, to be quite honest. It's bringing my body temperature down, man. Otherwise, this show ain't happening. It'll be a short well. one. You have a good weekend? Get up to much? Apart from enjoying revelling in Scotland's well, fantastic I mean, win in the Calcutta Cup. Our uh, English listeners are growing by the day, but after, <laughs> after the next five minutes, they might be down a wee bit. That was a solid win, wasn't it? It's what we would refer to here as a, a, a bit of a pumping. I don't know if it was a pumping. Kind of. They were quite good, England, and we still beat them. We were, we were that I don't know better. if it was a pumping. How good was Duhan's first try? Yeah, it was all right. Decent. It was all right. I like and you were telling me this morning that we're now up to fifth yes, in the rugby world, world rankings. And we were above England and above Argentina. And above Wales. And above Australia. Woofed. We're going places. Should we get carried away? Should we be getting excited about? We're already league? carried away because we're talking about being fifth in the world. So, so who's yes, ahead of us? I the All Blacks, South Africa, Ireland, and La France. Oh, of course, yes. Or as Miss World would say, France. <laughs> You've seen that clip. Yes. That is incredible. <laughs> I think it's actually Miss Universe. I don't know the difference between Miss Universe and Miss World, but yeah, it's brilliant. That, that's an amazing clip. Superb. If you know, you know. If, if you, you know, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. An interesting weekend for golf, an interesting <laughs> last few days for golf. I was actually, I was thinking about this just as we were coming up the stairs, Bryce. It is, what is it, February the 7th, and already this year I've been doing the big time thing, speaking on national radio. Mr. About, big time. Yes. About Gareth Bale, arbitration hearings, and bridges. Yeah. So our ambition at the end of last year that maybe it'll just be a quieter year and we'll get back to talking no, about golf. No. It appears like that's no. not going to happen. I, I, do, I, I do see that uh, BBC Radio Scotland dodged you this morning. Well. You were on Five Live. They came but to your, lo your local radio, they, 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 they dodged you or did you patch them? Because I, they went with John Huggin this morning. I patched them. Did you? Yes. John, get your dregs. Yes. Eh? Look, I'm, I'm a man of honour. Five Live got in there first. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm Scottish through and through, but I'm yeah. not going to be anything other than a man of my word. Yeah. But no, it's it has been an interesting time to say the least. You can't, unless you've been ironically enough living under a bridge, you, you can't have failed to notice what's been going on in St Andrews over the past few days. A new patio appeared <laughs> either side of this Welkin Bridge. This seven 
800-year-old piece of magnificence, iconic, known around the world, people from all corners, even if they don't play golf, travel to St Andrews just to get that photo. And yeah, in the bid to, well, you describe it, Bryce, what, what were they attempting to do by installing this patio? <laughs> well, it's funny because um, St Andrews Links Trust, if you think about what they do, they do an unbelievably good job. And it's a public course, courses. But they've done a few things in recent years. Probably in the last 10, 15 years, they've done two quite significant things that drew a lot of criticism. But most of the time it can be justified. What things in, in particular? One of them would be, you know, they've redone the, the road hole bunker a few times. Mm -hmm. And it all, that drew disgust from people around the world. About it's all too wide. The changes, it's not deep enough. And... <laughs> And, and so on and so forth. And if you, if you actually, it sounds like a, a football fan, but if you know your history, mm -hmm. the, the, the road hole bunker has changed throughout the years. Yeah. It's looked flat. It's looked deep, round, square. It's had all sorts of depths and widths and sizes. Nobody really knows what the road hole bunker is actually meant to look like because it's changed so many mm -hmm. times in the last God knows how long. And there weren't smartphones when old Tom was cutting about. Yeah, exactly. So that's fine. So the criticism is kind of nonsense. Then they moved the 17th T. All this work seems to be around the same area. Yeah. Try, moved, try working on the 7th, Yes, guys. yeah. Why do you pick the 8th T? <laughs> but then they moved the 17th T, and as as the, the guy we mentioned earlier, John Huggins, said mm. uh, many times that they moved it off the golf course. And, yeah. you know, they did. Put it um, onto the practice range of the yeah, academy, which, which used to be another course, man. Anyway, so they moved that, and that drew criticism because they were trying to lengthen the hole and so on and so forth. And you know, by the end of the day, they have to sort of be given a bit of leeway to change the golf course to make things a bit more playable for the modern golfer and so on and so forth. Evolution, that, that, not revolution. Yeah, basically. we're we're not going to be stuck with something that was built. Well, what? How many years ago was it built? Nobody really knows. Fourteen hundreds, something yeah, like that. So a long time ago. But this is an aesthetic change. Yeah. This is not like that. This is just something that we literally take our picture on. And they're obviously trying to answer your question, Michael. They're trying to get clear of mud. Yes. And the crap that sits in front of the bridge. Because as everyone who's been there, there's you can stand there for 15 minutes waiting for your turn to be on the bridge, we've all done it. That's the great thing about the, the old course is that it's a public golf course. Even when people are playing golf, you can walk on and get your picture <laughs> taken. There's nowhere like it in the world. We love it. But I have never seen anyone complain about the state of the earth round about that bridge. And they've obviously sat as a committee and decided, let's change that. What I'm going to say is that Everyone makes mistakes. Correct. Even yep. as a group, you make mistakes. And Do you make mistakes? Yes. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there was the incident with your cooker last week. But <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, that was a very cost, well, it could have been a costly mistake until I realised it was just a fuse. Uh, but my wife hasn't spoken to me for five days, but anyway, that's not a so conversation. Evidence, people make mistakes. Yeah, people make mistakes. She wasn't having that at the time, by no. the way. So people make mistakes and collectively as a group, the St Andrews Links Trust made a bit of a mistake. How big a mistake? I mean... It's a pretty huge one because they were rightly pounded on social media for 
what can only be described as a bit of a monstrous patio. It really was. It, it was, was perfect meme content. Wasn't yeah, it really, the it, had fun with it. We did have fun with it, and rightly so. And as somebody said, if you if you took a drone shot, it looked like a willy. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't want to go there, but it did. And it just, everything about it just looked awful. Mm-hmm. The height of the patio, the colour of the patio, and I get it. As somebody said, you know, they, they don't, it was actually you. You okay. said, you know, you get the, the other courses, get the opportunity to do work behind oh, the yeah, scenes. Yeah. Snandrew Away like, from prying yeah, eyes. Yeah, Snandrew's Links Trust are not like that. They have to do it in front of everyone. Ah, so they I, get their homework marked yeah, for the assignment. Literally, basically. within the last hour, the diggers are there right now digging it up. And we all know, and this is the thing about the Links Trust, that, that they live their mistakes in real time. Yeah. And we're all beating, we're all sharing in it and, and joyful. We're podcasting as they are literally ripping up that patio. Did people get over the top about it? No, because we, I think it showed how much love people have for the old course and respect. And also, do you know what I quite liked about it? About it, which has gone from some of the the game of golf. It's the tradition of that golf course. We just yes. like, we yep. like the way it was. We just know leave, what we like. We, we like, like what, what we know. know. Just leave it that way. You know, I did feel slightly sorry for them because... We know, we personally know the people in yeah. the PR team at St Andrews Links Trust are good guys. Oh my God, they've worked their tail off in the last few days to sort this. Firstly, they came out and doubled down, which I thought was a huge mistake. And and as soon as they did that, I thought that, that I reckon in the next two, three days, this will be getting ripped up. And Sure enough. There we go. But they deserve surely some credit for bowing to public... I think to public opinion, should you be praised for that? Well, no, I think they deserve credit for acting swiftly. They've taken stock of what people have said. They've obviously realised that it's not their golf course, they're just the custodians of it. It's their responsibility to look after it, but to do so in a careful, considered way. And they've realised, yep, we've made a mistake. Fine, we'll fix it. Right. I think they deserve credit for Absolutely. That. They've done it very, very quickly. They only announced it last night that they were going to stop it. And they've clearly they've said, right, get the diggers in tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. <laughs> Literally on the button at nine o'clock. Hello, is that JCB? <laughs> and they're in and it'll be gone within the next hour. So <laughs> fair enough that they've done the right thing. But it's, you know, it's a calamitous mistake. There is an element now, though, of be careful what you wish for, because... They're still going to have to do something, or they will presumably choose to do something. Now, what will that be? Will it be astroturf? Will it be reseeding? Will it be gravel? Will it be what shell? What I would like to know. What, what I, I hope it's not shell. What I would like to know is carpet. Is, th- is this a? <laughs> I've tried that. An Afghan rugs. <laughs> is this a? Is this a growing problem with the amount of people on the bridge? With the growing, you know, with the. The footfall. Advent of, mm. you know, Instagram and so on. Yeah, yeah. Is, it, is it a growing problem? That's what I'm not aware of. And I wonder if that's what's behind the scenes. If there's just so many people there, day in, day out. I don't know, because what I don't want to happen is there's people saying yesterday, why don't we just stop people getting pictures taken during the hours of 8 till 7 at night? Do you think that's a, night? a realistic no. possibility? No, I, I, I Do would, you think that could happen? I wouldn't think so, because I don't see how they can enforce that. Mm. It is a public course. That's the great thing about the old course, I've said a million times, you can walk onto the old course and just wander about. A Sunday is the best day to go to the old course because mm-hmm. nobody's playing golf. 
Yeah, so true. You can go walk onto the greens. Families having picnics, yeah, people dogs washing out, and that sort of stuff. <laughs> Maybe not so much now. Barbecues, barbecues by the bridge. <laughs> Tell you they could have fit a big green egg on that patio. It would look brilliant. <laughs> I mean, we are laughing about it, but I mean, it, it's a semi semi serious point, isn't it? Because that bridge is so beloved by so many people because it's so familiar, because we all feel a sense of ownership of the old course, then it does stir emotions. I just wonder, has Augusta National ruined golf courses for us? Because you see it once a year. It obviously doesn't get much in the way of traffic year-round. So when you do see it, it's pristine. I know. And there's an expectation now that every course should be pristine. I know. But, but the it, beauty it, but of the old course is, it is public. It should look uh, a bit, but with if, respect but this to them, is what a bit crap. But, but this is what I've said about the old course a million times. If you walk on the old course on a Sunday, you would not believe the amount of people that play that course. Mm -hmm. It's in magnificent condition. Have you ever played the old course and thought, well, it looks a bit scrappy? <laughs> it doesn't. Never. It looks incredible year round. Mm -hmm. I mean, genuinely, which is testament blown. to the greenkeeping team. I don't know Absolutely. how they do it. But I don't know how they do it. I have no idea how they do it. I've worked with them and I don't know how they do it. It's freezing. <laughs> and it's, you know, oh God, I, don't I, know. Know, I don't know how they get the growth. I have no idea, but that's because I'm not a, an agronomist, and and I never will be. Because if you've seen the grass in my garden, it's a disgrace. A bit mossy, very mossy. So I don't, you know what? It's just mad. Who'd have thought that we'd be sitting here talking, talking about a, a bridge, a walkway? Scotland loves a bridge controversy, though. Yeah. It's got the sky bridge tolls and the abolition of tolls by government decree. Then you've got that shambles that's the Queensferry crossing. Remember all the ice that kept falling off yeah, after they opened yeah, it, they had yeah. to shut it again. Brilliant. What's the the what squinty it bridge. Which, oh, the squinty which bridge, was, yeah. Which was too squinty. <laughs> Remember two of its um, beams yeah, yeah. fell down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't do bridges very well in Scotland. Yeah. But there we have it. Technically, there was nothing wrong with the bridge. The bridge is fine. It's the bloody walkway up to it. That's the problem. Final thought on that one. I mean, are you pleased that they've gone and taken them out? Yes, of course. The problem is we're bringing the diggers in and so on. This now looks worse than it did before <laughs> they started. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to say. Oh, yeah, no, good absolutely. Luck good luck to them. Listen, it's been a grim time, but they will recover because they're very good at what they do. Yeah. They just made a mistake. Exactly. And, Mistakes happen. They have. And eventually they've held their hands up and said, look, we're going to fix it. Job done. Let's move on. If there's someone listening to this right now that, doesn't really understand it, is trying to think, well, what's this the equivalent of? What would you say it is? I've seen people say that it's like putting a moustache on the Mona Lisa. I'm not sure it's quite that bad, but... She probably had a moustache, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> it was what? How long ago was that? She probably had one. I don't know if they had Gillette Macri's mm. back then. Yeah, but yeah she, I don't know. A bit like taking the royal box out at Wimbledon and shoving in a hot tub instead, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, if Kate Middleton is in that, I'll watch. Moving swiftly on. Jeez. That, that was a handbrake turn, Bryce. You're good for your handbrake turns on this show, but my God, the future queen of the country and you want to share a hot tub whilst watching... Oh, she is the future queen, isn't she? Yeah. Or queen concert, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It'll be good when it happens. Anyhow, <laughs> not that I'm looking forward to King Charles dying. <laughs> Jesus, right. DP World Tour versus Live. The hearing is taking place as we speak. They're in the middle of their early in the second day. Having their coffee. Yeah, most likely. Is it on now? Yeah, on right now. It's I thought it was at the end of the week. All of this week. And effectively... All week? Oh, I know. God. 
how dull. So the DP World Tour, and it's not so much live as 13 live players. Those players are challenging the DP World Tour's right to suspend them for playing and find them for playing in conflicting events without releases. So this goes back to June last year when the DP World Tour said, right, you guys have, are members that have played in that event at Centurion. You are now banned for two events, which just so happened to be co-sanctioned with the PGA. And they got hit with 100 grand fines as well. Three of those players, one of whom, Ian Poulter, well, successfully challenged that decision with this arbitration panel, gave them a stay. So they've been able, Love players for the last seven months, been able to play in DP World Tour events. That's why we had the scene with Rory and Patrick Reed in Dubai last week, and we loved it. We're not going to get to see or hear any of the hearings because, lo and behold, it's behind closed doors. Thank you very much you for can, that. You can you, handle the truth. <laughs> the, the fun police have obviously bolted that door. But this is potentially quite an important juncture in this whole melee. We're not going to get a result this week. That's going to take a couple more weeks before we find it out. But Bryce, this definitely feels like a, a crossroads, if you like, in this whole shambles. Yeah, and uh, just on the record, I am absolutely in the camp of DP World. I completely understand where Keith Pelly and his committee and his board and everything are are going on this. I, I think they have every right to protect their tour. And I know they're talking about, you know, who owns golf, but at the end of the day, this tour has been going for a very long time. F 50 years? Yeah, very long now. time. It's very well established. It's like if someone came in and said, you know what, let, let's say Amazon come in and say, right, we're going to start a new uh, tour for rugby and England sign up and it's at the same time as Six Nations and they take them out the Six Nations and play some tournament with Argentina at the same time. Do you think that would be the right thing for England to do? To, you, you, you can't take hmm. England out of the Six Nations. The Six Nations exists. It's been going for a, a very, very long time. You wouldn't want to ruin that. It's not. They're not saying that Some they, would say they ruined it when they added Italy. Well, I know. Yeah. But you're not saying that they own the tournament. Yeah. You know. But the European Tour is established. They have every right, to me, to have some sort of protection for their members and the future. I don't see why Liv would be against that. If they want to go and play Liv, that's fine, but they can't have both. I, I don't think you can exist with both because you're destroying what we've got. And it's the same with, same with the Premier League argument with the Super League. If you take those players out, that league dies. It doesn't grow. Because you're skimming it, off the cream. And then, exactly. Yeah. You, can't, you can't do that. And that's what happened with the Super League. We all just realised that, you know what, that isn't right. Yeah, the Premier League's got its faults and so on. And we all agree that. Same with the PGA Tour. It's got its faults. But you can't just take what you want and leave and go and start somewhere else for more money. And what you've got behind, which you've established for over 100 years, just falls to pieces. Mm -hmm. That's not that's not right. And I think a court will side with the, with the DP world. Well, now this is where we have to be careful because it's not a court case, well, which they keep saying. What is it? So it's an arbitration hearing. An arbitration hearing. What's yes. the difference? Who knows? Do they wear wigs? Maybe. <laughs> if they do, going to have one. 
<laughs> you just need the bit for the chocolate. <laughs> monks, a monk's wig. A monk's patch. Yeah, it's, so there's there's a three-person panel that's hearing it. Two king's councils and one former judge. Do they play golf? No idea. Where are they from? Britain, I guess. I don't know. Are they British? I'd, I'd assume. Is it Lord Farquhar or something? Are they lords or barons or something? Like that? Are they One of them, I think, punters? is a, a lord... Might be wrong. But yeah, effectively, the decision is going to sit in the hands of these three people who are going to rule by stripping out emotion, hopefully, and just going with the facts. So this is where it's going to get slightly tricky because the 13 live appellants in this case are saying that there is a precedent for this. Sorry, that there's no precedent for, for suspending players and fining them for playing in conflicting events. I saw on social media, Scott Hend who's not on live, but has defended its right to exist, he said that he has gone and played Asian Tour events whilst being a DP World Tour member and hasn't ever required a release to do it. Last year, however, when he did it and went and played in one of those events, he suddenly got fined. And he's going, wait a minute, this hasn't happened before. But that's because it's a threat. I mean, it's fairly obvious. It's the same thing with the so PG Tour playing the against... No, are, is, it's, they haven't it, enforced their own rules because they haven't viewed the Asian tour as, a, as threat, a threat. Of course, it, it, they are Asian tour. We said this before. Asian tour is this little tour that's ex- existed for years. It's always been in its own little world. The only pe- this sounds terrible, but the only people that played Asian tour were guys who weren't good enough for the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour. They couldn't get on those tours, so they lived in Asia and played Asian tour events and made decent money because it was a cheap place to live. That's a fact. I've had guys who play on Asian tour tell me that as a fact. You make good money because the cost of living in you know your Bangkok areas and your Vietnam and so on and so forth is mega cheap. It's a cracking lifestyle. So it's never a threat. It has never been a threat. No one really played. There was only maybe once or twice that we'd even move over there as a co-sanctioned sort of thing with the European Tour about 10, 15 years ago. But then it became uh, some sort of stepping stone for Liv to get credibility, ranking points, move into some sort of official status. And of course the European Tour are going to turn around and go, well, wait a minute, that's not what it was. It's not the Asian Tour that we know. They've just had £100 pumped in. Mm -hmm. It's not the Asian Tour that we that it used to be 10, 15 years ago. You know, it's not like that. Guys in the Asian Tour used to win 20, 30 grand. You know, now they're, they were playing the other week for 2 million quid. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, come on. It, you got to be, Scott Hen's got to realise that this isn't the this isn't the Asian Tour that you were jumping off to play. Yeah, it's not apples and apples anymore, no, is it? No, it's not like yeah. that. You can't be that naive. You have to understand that the Tours have got to protect themselves. They have to. On that point, is there... And I've seen this suggested. Is there an argument that the DP World Tour could be shooting itself in the foot a little bit by banning or tantamount to banning live players? Because how good was Dubai? Absolutely. How many people who don't cover golf hence, talked about Wentworth? Hence the convoluted mess that we find ourselves in. You absolutely bang on because you want those players. Like somebody said, you know, these players shouldn't be playing majors. I think. I think it's going to be quite good to have the live guys playing majors because you're suddenly going to realise who's in form yep. and who's not. Like DeChambeau. DeChambeau hasn't won since he won at Arnold Palmer. He hasn't won an event. Is that right? Oh my God. And you think, how's he going to do this year? The guy's not in form. 
I want to see him in the majors. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So there's part of me that I do think it would be good to have them in, but this week's event in Phoenix, we're suddenly getting an idea of how Liv has benefited the PGA Tour because Phoenix has always been a good event. This year, it's phenomenal. All the best players are playing because they have to, because they've changed the goalposts. They've changed the the rules, they've changed the makeup of their schedule. And my word, Phoenix has benefited hugely. So that's a good thing. So it doesn't need live. But the DP world, certain events, they do need live. And if those they guys, need some like of those Patrick live Reed, players, Dustin Johnson, Christ, even Bryson DeChambeau, if they are able to play in the DP World Tour and live continues to be unable to get world ranking points, there is a chance that they would play in those DP World uh, Tour events just to would. get those ranking points. Of course they would, yeah. And that's the thing. Why, why do you think these players are fighting for the case to be on the DP World? It's not because they want to play Liv. It's also not because Liv is perfect. It's, yeah. It's, an, it's evidence need, of the fact that Liv yeah. is imperfect. Because if the, if Liv was so great, they wouldn't need it. They wouldn't need, they wouldn't need to play somewhere yeah. else. Why would you leave somewhere? It's like going back to an ex-girlfriend. Why would you? You know? Michael. <laughs> In other chats. <laughs> that will be edited. <laughs> she might I'm not listen. talking about me. She might listen. Oh, where are you? Not, I'm not I saw your face. Me. Speaking of live, you covered this uh, yesterday morning or the weekend, I think it was, that there is chatter. There's always chatter on social media, but there is chatter that they are buying up some land. In, <laughs> this is brilliant. In Augusta. Do tell what, what the hell is going on. Well, I, I'm not. It actually started with the Twitter account to our junkies, which is based, I did not know this, based in Augusta, Georgia. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they'd heard, uh, and it it was also mentioned a few people on Instagram saying they'd heard as well that Liv had bought land over the Savannah River, uh, quite extensive land that looked like it was going to build a golf course. And they were going to build a golf course and start a tournament. Now, <laughs> I'm not, I just cannot imagine how Augusta National would not know about that yeah. and stop it. Because Augusta, as we all know, Augusta has unbelievable relations with mm. its local community. Yep. You can slag Augusta off all you want for what it's done, but it's extremely good to the town yeah. of Augusta and its uh, surrounding areas. Very good. So I can't imagine that would be the case. But now the rumour is that Augusta have bought, and this is allegedly, before we get sued, that the, the rumour is that it's Augusta that's bought it through a shell company and potentially they're going to build another course. But we've already, that, that's not necessarily anything new. So Talk of a second Augusta National Golf yes. Club course has been, yes. and we always, been around for years. Yeah, and we always knew it wasn't going to be on site at yeah, Augusta because yeah. they don't have the space. Don't have the space. But they are buying lots of land around about Augusta. So if you go out Augusta, so imagine you're standing with Magnolia Lane to your left. Okay, so it's and there. And you go up Washington Road. Towards Chick-fil-A and Taco Bell. Yes, yep. I think it's over the river, Savannah River to the right. Oh, and then, right, okay. And then head left, up that side of the, the Oh, the, not far the at land. all then. So it's um, and what would that it second golf 20 course minutes be away. Twenty minutes away. Well, the rumor was that it was they were going to build second course for a women's masters. Why not just have it at Augusta National? Good point. 
But, you know, it's the same thing with the the amateur version of the Women's Masters is that mm-hmm. they have it at another golf course. Yeah. And it's only the final round. The only final rounds at Augusta. Which a lot of people say that's a bit strange, but Well, we all now know about Champions Gate and we didn't five years ago. So yeah. there's that too. So And again, it's benefiting the entire community and not just a golf club. So I, I get that, but Augusta building a second golf course, I mean, it's a bit like we were saying earlier on about the Spilkin Bridge in St Andrews. All of the various little elements are what make it iconic and it's built up over time. And it's the same at Augusta National with the Hogan Bridge and the Sarazen Bridge and Amen Corner and all that stuff. A new golf course isn't going to have all that immediately, so why not just use the current one? There's maybe logistical reasons for that, is that they have members, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. those members pay exorbitant amounts Top of money. Dollar. Top dollar. to be a member at Augusta. Augusta's time frame for its golf course True. is yeah, short. It's, short. it's a short window. So not only six, seven months or something mm-hmm. that's open for play, so it's pretty short. And maybe the growing season. And also, if they've got a women's masters, that it reduces the growing season. Mm -hmm. And then, as we all know, as soon as the masters finish, they're digging up holes and digging up this. Again, the work that they do and the time frame that they do it in is mind-blowing. I mean, it is mind-blowing. Well, on that point, the 13th, we now know. I mean, we knew anyway. But the 13th tee has been pushed all the way back. The media guide for this year's Masters came out yesterday and it lists the 13th hole now as 545 yards. That's 35 yards longer than it was last year. So the changes that Eureka Earth have done a great job in in sharing on social media from their drones, that's now the official confirmation from Augusta that, yep, that's happened, it's going into play this year and this is how much longer it is. Honestly, I'm a bit surprised that it's only 35 yards. To yeah. me, it looked a lot longer than yeah, that. Yeah, and that, we did discuss that. And I remember us saying, we, we, I thought it would be between 40 to 60 yards. That's If you do it by eye, it looked like it was going to be that in between that distance. We're five yards short. Maybe there's something in that for you to, to take. That Maybe your eye's just not quite as good. Well, so I next do. time you go and play TPC, take one club more. Yeah, well, I do. I'm going to Specsavers on Sunday. <laughs> No joke, I can't. I can't really? even look. I can't even look at my phone. I can't. I get lenses in. I can't. Somebody holds something within a foot and a half. I can't read it. Oh dear. So I can be that's old man stuff. It is a wee bit. The change at Augusta, no great surprise. Like I say, we, we we did know this was coming. What do you expect the the material difference to be? Is thirty five yards enough? I, to, yeah, I was going to, to change th- thirty five yards. I don't think is a huge difference. I think the only thing that's going to do is hurt. The short hitters, that's not going to be a huge amount of difference to the long hitters, I don't think. I'd need to, to be honest, I'd need to be there, Michael. But you can't because you're not allowed on that tee. It's very difficult to say because it does change the perspective of, it's not just the first shot, it's the second shot. Mm-hmm. So if you don't, if a long hitter doesn't truly catch one the way they want it, then they're, they are taking a bit of a risk. You know, we saw a few times last year, like Rory laid up and quite a few players laid up. It depends on the weather. Mm-hmm. You know, yep, if, Agu- if Augusta's cold and it's not as bouncy and you don't you don't get the draw with the ball, you'll be laid further back. But it means that less people will fly into those trees. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which means that you're potentially, if you don't get that draw on the ball, you're potentially adding 40, 50 yards to your approach in. So maybe it will make a difference. I just don't know if it's... Really, they did this to stop guys like DeChambeau 
But he's already stopped doing that. Exactly. And that's the Bryson trick. proofing. It's like, it's like they, they proofed their golf course right at the time where he said, I'm going to do this and mm. I'm going to change that. If you look at the quotes from Bryson after he won from Arnold Palmer, he pretty much said, I'm going to get stronger, I'm going to get faster, and I'm going to get better, and I'm going to get more dialed in. He called Augusta a par 67, as we all remember. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Is, is, do you think that's part of it? Like a knee-jerk reaction? Of course it is. I mean, it has to be because then Rory came out and said, you know, I'm I, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, and we were all talking about it and it was a massive shift in his approach to playing golf. Mm-hmm. Look what he did at the Ryder Cup. It was mind-blowing. But he's completely turned his back on it. Mm-hmm. He's not doing it anymore. He's said he's been full injury for the past four years, which three of those years involved bulking, He's this gives a guy that was swigging protein shakes mid round, four of them a mm. day, four of them around. Um, he put on put on weight. He didn't look good. Let's be honest. I don't he looked know. bigger. He maybe looked stronger. It was, but I'm not sure he looked like a picture of health. What he had was frighteningly impressive for what he said he wanted to do because he was able to do it. This guy was melting drives, overtaking golf courses. And I think that gave Augusta the absolute fear. What if this guy just decided to cut out 13 altogether and just take a chance? Mm-hmm. Because he had he had the armory to do it. He had the weaponry to do it and the physical mass to be able to do that. And I think they made a decision to change that. And that's what we have now. But actually could really have benefited Augusta because he's not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. Which means <laughs> no one's following him. No. Because it looked like other players were going to copy what he was going to do. He's also no longer with Cobra Puma Golf. That came out tail end of last week. A bit of a shock. See, Bright. I mean, he was the poster boy alongside Ricky, really, was yeah. he not? Yeah. I think I think the consequences of what he said was at the 2021 Open, when mm-hmm. he, he said his driver sucks, which we all said at the time, that's an absolutely outrageous thing to say, considering how much money you get paid by these brands. They qu- we all knew... That's nonsense. And the fact that Cobra themselves released a statement uh, challenging it. Yeah, he sounded like a child and said his comments were pretty stupid. I think that this is the consequences of that. Mm. And he's come out in the last couple of weeks and said, you know, that modern day technology cannot keep up with modern day ball speeds. I think, yeah, that's a bit bit strange. And he's playing a tailor-made stealth too. You think? uh, Biting the hand that feeds him. Potentially, it's always a bit you got to be careful when you say things about your brand. You've got to be able to back it up. Yep. You know, notice that Tiger hasn't really said anything hugely negative about Nike shoes. He's just put on the foot choice because the, yeah, exactly. they worked work for him. He's not ridiculed the brand. I think there's, when you've got a problem with your gear, you've got to be careful how you say it. Yep. But clearly, Bryson's pissed off. But he was still playing his Cobra Irons. Yep. A couple other quick things before we go to the break. The WGC Match Play Championship looks like that's being axed. It's certainly not going to be at Austin Country Club after this year, and it looks like it might not be around at all unless it can find a new home. Do they even want to find a new home? World Golf Championships have been disappearing gradually on the calendar for the past few years. It would be a bit of a blow, though, would it not? I mean, for all the faults of that tournament and the the contrived group stages and everything, it's still one of the yeah. more interesting ones. Yeah, you say contrived. They, they, they had to. They had to go down that road of you know, qualifying and so on in group tables because match play in golf in a World Golf Championship just does not work. 
as we had before, you know, get Tiger get knocked out in the second round and so on, and it just ruined the event. Half the field going home on the Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, just, remember they started on the Wednesday, so yeah, yeah, it was it just, just it didn't work. Yeah. But that event had its moments. I think it was played in a pretty cool course, and you know, you did hole in ones and so mm-hmm. on, and it was exciting. But shifting priorities, I guess, for the yeah, PGA Tour, doesn't it? I would think so, and they could pretty much run those events. So it's a shame to see those trophies go, though. They are the coolest trophies in golf. Bring them, into some, bring them into something else. I don't know what they're going to do. But yeah, it does. It goes to show how much money is now on the tour that the World Golf Championships are not really the be-all and end-all. Mm-hmm. And finally, Martin Borgmeier, a name that many of you may not be familiar with. He's a world long drive competitor, world long drive champion, Bryce. You know, yes, he's seen better champion, than I do. Yeah. Tell us, he, he has broken the world record for well, the longest drive is well, that it's funny right? i was talking to james about this yesterday james a former uh, our gate editor's a former world long drive i would say competitor i was going to say champion there but he's not ouch ouch and he says there's there's a few guys that have hit you know 500 plus how, yards how far was borgmeyer's 520 Whoa. and is it bagota colombia ah Okay, so altitude. So altitude, 8,400 feet, I think. He was using a... I can't remember what ball he used. Ball speed, mental numbers in his ball speed. Something like 230 miles per hour ball speed or something like that. Club head speed was like just under 160. Whatever. Outrageous. 520 yards. But I think when a guy like that posts something about that and says about the numbers, that's when you know... That that's mind blowing because mm-hmm. these guys do that every day. You know, we've sat with long drive guys and watched them hit it 410, 420. You think, yeah, that's pretty, that's that's awesome. 4, 430, 440. But when they go out of their way to brag about it, when they go out of mm-hmm. their way, they realize they've done something pretty special. Yeah. But I think he can add, I don't know how many yards, extra yards he get. I think there was like eight to 12 mile per hour wins in his favor, which isn't huge but no. significant. So I think, is it being classed as special? As official, Suppose remember Elliot Kipchoge broke the, the world marathon record, he went under two hours, the first yeah. human to do so, but it was under very controlled conditions, yeah. well, this, this, optimal Supposedly conditions. there was somebody there from Guinness, how does that work, Guinness World, how, how did they just someone making pints, is it? it, that's it, the black stuff. Well done Martin, <laughs> congratulations, <laughs> we'll get your certificate in the polls. <laughs> so that, I think there was somebody there, it was an official world long drive sort of exhibition with another guy, I forget his name, in the area to try and raise awareness for golf and get actually get kids into golf. And I think, what a great way to get kids Absolutely, into golf. Yeah. This guy mushing the ball. <laughs> so pretty cool. But whether it's an official one, but I can't remember of anyone hitting at 520. But those conditions, you know, but the, they have the World Long Drive in Nevada and, mm. and obviously the air, con- the air density helps as well. But 520 yards. Mind-blowing. It is absolutely unbelievable. Outrageous. Right, I am dying, so I'm going to nip to the loo to get some hankies. Strange place to find hankies, to be fair, the toilet. We have loads coming up in the second part of this week's episode, including an interview with the man behind the new Netflix series, Full Swing. Do not go anywhere. Everyone expects distance from their driver. We're shifting the paradigm to deliver far more than that. We constructed the first ever 360 carbon chassis. It's 44% lighter than titanium, shifting weight to actively enhance both distance and forgiveness. 
now you get 15% tighter downrange dispersion in our longest driver ever. This is the new paradigm in performance from Callaway. That feels better. Welcome back. Part two of this week's episode of the Bunker Podcast in association with Callaway. As I say, do excuse the, the nasal qualities of, of my tones today. Bunkered Live. If you've been listening recently, then you will have heard this before, but Bunkered Live is coming to the NEC in Birmingham in just a couple of weeks' time and then to the Royal Highland Centre in Ingolston next to Edinburgh Airport at the end of March. Great opportunity to test all of the latest gear for this year, including the Callaway Paradigm Driver. Strongly suggest you go and get that in your hands and give it a malky. And opportunities to... Speak to Bryce and I, we'll be there hanging give out. A, give it a milky. Yeah, that's the first and potentially last time I've ever used that expression. <laughs> Loads of fun for all of the family. It's taking place in Birmingham, February 24th to 26th, and Edinburgh, March 24th to 26th. Check out bunkeredlive.com for the latest ticket offers and indeed to buy your tickets. Do come along, it's going to be a lot of fun. Right, last week I was lucky enough to catch up with Chad Mum. What a fantastic name, Chad Mum. Chad is the executive producer of the new Netflix golf series that absolutely everyone is talking about. Forget Bridgerton, forget Happy Valley. I mean, typical Sunday night telly, Happy Valley, Jesus. Oh. Forget Game of Thrones. This is the one that people have been waiting for. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Forget, whoa, whoa, whoa. Back it up. Forget Game of Thrones. That was garbage. Dragons and that. Or at least rubbish ending. Really rubbish ending, was it not? And now you've got House of the Dragon and... Uh, House of the Dragon. Like, just get on with this little blurb. Anyway, lucky to, enough to speak to Chad to find out a little bit more about this new golf series that's going to be dropping on Netflix on February the 15th. Chad, mum, welcome to the Bunkered Podcast. Hey, Michael, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. No, thank you for joining us because you are a very, very busy man and very much high demand as well at the moment with this series about to drop. We'll get into the, the finer details in a second, but first of all, this has been a long time coming. It's been 12 months of filming, even more in the planning. How excited are you that it's finally, Full Swing is finally about to make its TV debut? I couldn't be more excited. This project has been, as you mentioned, a long time in development, a long time coming. And in, in many ways, it's kind of a testament to just fighting it out, you know, one thing at a time, like building momentum over a period of sort of, you know, six years, really. And then three years after I got the deal done with the tour, getting all the majors on board, getting the players on board, actually figuring out how to go out and shoot this thing. Um, you know, we filmed... 770 hours of original footage to make this series and then another five or 6,000 hours of archives that got pulled in from all the various broadcast trucks and, you know, historical archives. I mean, it's, it's an unbelievable uh, effort by my team and our team. And it was, uh, yeah, so I'm relieved that it's done and excited that people get to finally see it because I can tell you, I've watched it, you know, I've watched these episodes probably hundreds of times now and uh, I still get pumped up. I still get goosebumps when that Patrick gets that shot he hit on the seven second hole of Brookline and uh, and uh, there's moments like that all over the show so I can't wait for everybody to see it. Oh it's it's so exciting and I think for golf fans it's doubly exciting because we don't tend to get this kind of coverage you know football yes we've all seen the the various documentaries about soccer and NFL and 
rugby even, but golf feels like a bit of an untouched space, largely. I mean, why? What, what was the appeal of the PGA Tour? You know, it's, it's funny that golf doesn't get that. I agree with you. I mean, we don't get that kind of treatment. But in, in many ways, in my opinion, you know, golf is the ultimate mental test in sport. You know, it, there's, there's like uh, nothing like the, the challenge that exists in the five-inch space between your ears on a golf course. And there's really no lonelier place standing out in the fairway, coming down the stretch in the back nine, trying to win a, a major for the first time. The expectations are just all on your own shoulders. And, you know, you don't have a network of, teammates you know supporting you and and it's you know these guys are out there they have to build their own kind of support network and it's sort of every man for themselves it's a fascinating traveling circuit being out on the pga tour so you know i think from a from a storytelling perspective you know there's no more dramatic sport and no more relatable sport it's one of the few sports where we could stand on the same pitch you know as, as the greatest players in the game and hit shots and you know, just this year we filmed at St. Andrews, the home of golf. You know, like you can go play that golf course tomorrow and, and try to hit that same putt that Cam Smith had on 17 on a road hold. See if you could get that up and down. I promise you, you can't. It's insane. Um, and so, you know, it's just I find it to be relatable and exciting. It's one of the few sports you can play your entire life. And it's still one of the, you know, like many things, just could never master it. And so what was reassuring to me about getting embedded with these players and getting to know them is, you know, they're just as obsessed with golf as we are. You know, I remember the first interview I did with Brooks Kepka. He sat down and, you know, here's Brooks who's famous for saying he doesn't like to practice. He, you know, he'd rather be playing baseball or whatever. And he sits down and he tells us that he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's, you know, two in the morning and he's grip, gripping a club, you know, like making a little hand grip, laying in bed, thinking about, oh, if I strengthen it a little bit, you know, will that close the face down? What if I open up my grip a little bit, you know, messing around with it? and just can't sleep because he's so excited to wake up and hit balls the next day. And this is Brooks Kepka. So safe to say, uh, I think golf is long overdue for this kind of, you know, look. And I feel like we couldn't have had a better year to, to, to get our cameras rolling. Yeah, I'll say, and we'll come to that in a second, obviously. But, you know, I think a lot of people are really excited about this because there's a real familiarity with Drive to Survive. And I think people really had their eyes opened to a different sport. A lot of people came to Formula One, particularly in America, for the first time through Drive to Survive. And the idea that it's you know the, the same team making this has got people really, really excited. I mean, if you've seen Drive to Survive, what should you expect from Full Swing? Is, is it very much the same as sort of warts and all expose of mm-hmm. you know life playing on the PGA Tour, but also life traveling on the PGA Tour? Yeah, you, you, you put it perfectly, Michael. It's totally warts and all. That was table stakes for us when we first started working with the PGA Tour on this. And part of the reason why it took so long to get made is that, you know, they had to really accept that this would be warts and all. And when Jay Monahan became commissioner, you know, everything kind of changed there pretty quickly and they became more open and immediately kind of jumped in feet first. But yeah, I think the drive to survive aesthetic, you know, the kind of feeling that you're hearing conversations that maybe you shouldn't be hearing, you know, from across a room, the, those kind of audio, that insider access, you know, being around, being, being in those private spaces at, at all these golf tournaments, the, the kind of difficulty and, and sort of serendipity of life, like lived on the road, I think in how different players process that, how they manage their time. Uh, it's, it's really fascinating. I like to joke. It's sort of like a masculine soap opera in many ways. That that's kind of, <laughs> That's sort of what we found out there. And, 
Um, but yeah, I think, you know, aesthetically, visually, stylistically, musically, a lot of touch points to drive to survive. Uh, except golf is just such a more individual sport. There's, there's not that, uh, you know, you don't have teammates to um, fall back on. You don't have, you know, the staff around you. It's really every man for himself. And the mental pressure that puts on players and how they process it is, is super compelling to watch. And I feel like our characters in this show, who you'll get to see, you know, here in about two weeks, February 15th on Netflix, it, they're so interesting and they're so different from the drivers and motorsports drivers you know they're they're they live kind of cool interesting lifestyle that i think people are going to be very surprised even if you're not i mean this is a golf podcast so i know everyone listening are you know diehard fans like i am but you know even if you're not i think that the opportunity to, to come into a sport where most general sports fans have a sense in their head what they think pro golf is like and that we get the chance to completely flip that on its head and subvert that expectation in the first five minutes of the show is is super exciting as a producer was that the pitch to the pga tour you know that here's an opportunity to get into a space that you've never been in before and to show your product in a different light you got it exactly you know hey your sport has gotten younger you've got a whole new crop of stars that you know are sort of inspired by tiger but you know the tour isn't riding just on the back of tiger woods and phil nicholson anymore now we've got a new crop of young stars Let's create something that really showcases that talent and showcases how hard it is to win and to do it in a way that looks at the sport kind of and, and completely subverts people's expectations, like I said, and hopefully, you know, significantly grows the audience for it, uh, both in terms of people wanting to pick up a golf club and try it out themselves and, and honestly watch it on television. So that was, they definitely understood that from the jump, saw the opportunity and, and to their credit, you know, really got out of our way and let us do it, which was, which was you know, they lived up to exactly what they said they would do, which is amazing. Yeah, there's not much more you can ask for in that sense. I mean, you, you talk about them getting out of the way, but equally, I suppose there's the, the the real trick of making a documentary like this is that you guys blend into the background so that you can pick up that really raw, natural, organic reactions that players have. How do you do that? I know that sounds like a really weird question, but how do you be invisible and still get all the content you want? I think it's part of just trying to blend into the traveling circus. You know, I think that's a really good analogy for what it's like out there on tour. And, and, you know, the first few weeks we maybe stuck out like a sore thumb, you know, here's some new faces. Maybe we, we dressed a little different. We looked a little different. We had some different camera setups from the normal media that were there. Um, but, you know, we just kept showing up and, you know, our, our kind of pitch to the players is like, Hey, we're just going to, we're just going to be here. If it's important to you. It's important to us. So, you know, you, we're never going to make you do something. We're not making the Kardashians, you know, we're not making a reality <laughs> show. We're here to just observe. And if you're doing something like, let us come along, let us ride along. And the more we just started to see them and film and pick the camera, put it down, you know, the more they just kind of forgot about us and we kind of melted away into the background. Um, we also had access to, and I give a ton of credit to all the broadcasters. We had access to all the camera feeds and all the audio sources from the golf course. So even if it wasn't on the broadcast, you know, the mics that are out on the course, we're able to turn on and listen to. So we're hearing players in between shots, you know, the, the camera footage that never made it on the broadcast, but that, you know, just kept rolling. We were able to pull down. So we had a lot of moments that, you know, even, even uh, if we had, you know, a hundred cameras, we would have never been able to capture just because of the nature of, uh, of the beast. But yeah, the more we got comfortable, the more the players got to know our teams, the more they kind of 
started to understand that we we weren't going to leave them alone, but we also weren't going <laughs> to, you know, we weren't going to produce things for them. You know, they just could be themselves. You know, they got comfortable and eventually the cameras kind of, they forget it's there and, and you know, so the magic happens. There's an amazing moment in the trailer, which is phenomenal. I mean, you know, Bryce, my co-host, is unfortunately not here. He, he, he summed it up perfectly. He's like, it's just goosebumps throughout. And then you get this electric shock moment towards the end of that uh, the first trailer when Rory appears. Now, Rory wasn't originally listed as one of the, the guys who was going to participate in the show. How did you persuade him? When did you persuade him? So uh, I love that moment, too. Um, so you It's know, a mic I, drop, I, isn't I, it? I it's a real mic still. drop. <laughs> It is. It is. And, you know, so we, you know, I met with Rory's team uh, actually a year ago this week or last week at the, at the Farmers Insurance Open last year. And we, we had a conversation with his team about him participating in the show. And I think, you know, Rory's focus on the year was really on his game. And he, you know, he just felt like he was either due to kind of go on a run as he has been on an epic run here. Uh, and so they, they had, were very gracious and very polite, but you know, declined to participate in season one. Uh, and so, you know, I just kind of kept chugging along and every couple of events we'd be filming with Colin Morikawa or, you know, one of our other players and, and Roy just had a tendency to keep popping up in the locker room and keep popping up <laughs> in the player dining and, you know, leading into the cameras a bit. And we were like, Oh man, he, he, he's into this, you know, and we just sort of kept kind of, he just kept popping up as I said. And then at the end of the year, after all of the live stuff kind of went down, um, I I met with Rory just one on one, and he was having breakfast in a clubhouse, and we sat down for five minutes, and I basically told him, you know, we may never get another shot at this, and you know, the world needs to hear your point of view, and it's either now or they're going to wait until season two, and that'll come out in 2024. So I feel like the world needs to hear from you now. And to his credit, he he completely got it and he's like okay i'm in and then you know an hour later he had a mic on and was walking around the locker room you know talking to players about the new pga tour schedule that they were putting together with tiger you know that he was putting together so it's just you know rory doesn't know how to do anything half measured mm -hmm. you know he is as impressive a player he is he is more impressive as a human being as a leader as a charismatic figure um and you know he probably gave us more access from the moment he said yes to the end of the shooting that, that we got from, you know, nearly anybody else. So, you know, full credit to Roy for understanding and leaning in. And, uh, and we had to work very hard to keep that secret for the last couple of months because it's such a fun, you know, such, who, who better to, to tell the story of this year and to bring it to a close than, than, you know, the number one player in the world. Absolutely agree. Obviously Tiger wasn't listed either. But the fact that you managed to pull in Rory is just making me think, well, is Tiger going to appear at some point in one of these episodes? I don't imagine you're going to tell me if he is, but I'm going to ask you anyway, Chad. Well, you'll have to watch it. You'll ah, watch great it. answer. Two more weeks. <laughs> That's the politician's answer if ever I heard one. <laughs> but obviously there's the other part of it. And yeah, Ian Poulter in the, in the trailer says, you guys picked a hell of a year to cover the PGA Tour, start following golf. Obviously with the live stuff going on, Poulter himself making the, the jump to, to the new tour. How much of a curveball was that for you? Were, were, did, you must have heard some kind of rumours that there was talk about this thing happening and then it did and then you had all the drama that followed. How much of a curveball was it for you when that thing first landed? 
Yeah, I think we all, you know, we had heard rumors, but it, it happened really quickly at Riviera last year. And I remember, you know, vividly sitting in the press room in the Riviera clubhouse, which is, you know, most most times at the PGA Tour events, you know, a lot of times the press room is like a tent, you know. Mm. And instead we're in this 100-year-old clubhouse, this iconic room, it's vaulted ceiling, huge windows. It's a very visual place to be. And then all of a sudden the first rumors kind of came out, like DJ and Bryson and Phil, and all of a sudden the whole energy shifted in the room. I think it was like a Monday or Tuesday of that week. Uh, and, and then from there it was like buckle up because, you know, a couple of days later the, the Alan Shipnut quote from Phil came out. And then it looked like maybe it was going to die and then it came roaring back. And, and, you know, we were just there embedded in the middle of it. I think for us, it was certainly a curveball because a lot of the players, you know, they, they, nobody really knew what was, how it was going to shake out and sort of where people's allegiances were going to lie. And so people were, you know, were a little more, uh, kind of cagey about their plans. And, and certainly, you know, as, as you probably noticed, like a lot of the players who were cagey are the ones who ended up going and leaving for live. Um, but I think we, we, you know, we just kept filming. We kept filming with Ian. We kept filming with Dustin. We kept filming with Brooks and Joaquin and some of those guys, and Nico. Uh, and, you know, our goal is to tell the story of their year in professional golf. And, you know, that was a big part of their story. And I give a ton of credit to all those guys, and, including all the guys that stayed on the tour. But, like, you know, Ian, Ian understood, and he was still willing to let our cameras in. And, you know, we spent a ton of time with him and a ton of time with his family. And I think that you get a sense to see, you know, why he made the decision that he made. And it's not just in sound bites, it's in context. And, you know, the, the beauty of a project like this is whether it's a high moment or a low moment or anything in between, you know, we have a year's worth of context, a year's worth of filming to tell that story. And I think that, you know, whether or not you, you know, become a, more of a fan or less of a fan of somebody from what you see, you're going to see the context. And I think it's going to open up and deepen people's understanding about everything that happened last year. And whether it's, you know, good or bad, I think it's not our role to sort of make a call. I think our role is to let the players sort of tell it in their own words and let the audience decide. Absolutely right. Totally agree. I mean, I think a lot of people, and you would be aware of this yourself, Chad, a lot of people were speculating in the run-up to the, the trailer getting released as to whether or not you would be even allowed to cover the, the Live Golf League, given the, the fact that this is meant to be behind the scenes of the PGA Tour. I mean... Can you give us any idea of the discussions that you had with the PGA Tour, you know, that, look, we need to include this, we can't ignore it? Yeah, I think that it was pretty much that. That was the conversation. And to, again, as I said, to their credit, you know, we said from the beginning that, you know, they don't have editorial control over this, you know, Final Cut rests with us and Netflix. And, and you know, our, our job was there. The, the players that committed to, to being a part of the show, you know, we, we wanted to honor that commitment back to them and, and tell their story in full. And, you know, I think I, I wouldn't want to speculate about, you know, the PGA Tour's reaction. Obviously, I'm sure they were not happy. But at the end of the day, like, they understood, too, that, like, you, audiences knew that we were coming with those guys. And if all of a sudden they disappeared from the show, you know, would lose credibility. And so they, they never really fought us on it. It was never really a conversation that we would be avoiding them. Um, and so, you know, we were able to do our jobs and continue to tell those stories. And I think they're some of the most interesting, sort of fascinating parts of the whole series you know the good the good part too there's just one more thing to add on that like you know at the end of the day it's like the show the the live conflict is a central part of the show but it's sort of a, ma a macro narrative that kind of floats above and sort of maybe underneath a lot of the the interpersonal relationships in the show but 
one of the one of the coolest things was just how good the golf was, like how much payoff we got on the golf course, whether it's Matt Fitzpatrick or Justin Thomas. I mean, we were following Matt Fitzpatrick, Justin Thomas, and Nito Pereira at the PGA Championship. And we, we picked Nito because we wanted to see what it's like to play in your first major as a rookie. And so that just happened to be <laughs> an amazing bet if he ends up in that final group. Matt Fitzpatrick, we've been filming with all year, and he was rounding into form, and we thought, hey, maybe he has a real chance to win. He ends up in the final group. And then Justin Thomas, you know, we're like, that's the PGA. It's his dad. You know, his father was a PGA professional. Like, it'd be cool to see him up close and personal at that event. And then he's, whatever, seven shots back. I forget, I think it was seven or eight shots back. We're like, oh, at least we got a chance to kind of see Justin Thomas at a major. And he comes back and wins the damn thing in a playoff. So, you know, you, that was kind of a microcosm of our entire year. We kept sort of putting our cameras in places and then turning out, like we just picked the best possible, you know, choices and the universe handed us these crazy moments. So, you know, I think that like there is a lot of the live stuff that kind of gets context, but at the end of the day, like the show pays off on the golf course and these epic, epic moments of, of grit and will and talent. And, you know, I think people will be really uh, excited and I think maybe perhaps surprised by, you know, how much we're able to cover. In this thing. I mean, when you think about, Back, uh, you know, following Justin Thomas, following Mito Pereira, following Matt Fitzpatrick, it begs the question: What are next week's lottery numbers, Chad? <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. I had that. We definitely, we at one point, one of our, you know, obviously, there's, there's, we're not like gambling because we can't, you know, do that. That would be unethical. But there was at one point, one of our producers sort of added it up, like if we had picked, you know, and, and bet money on all of the players that we were following and end up winning, and you know, it's like. It was it was a substantial number of winnings, and so I guess you know we we picked well, I should say, and and the universe you know kind of looked kind of like fondly on us. We also like to say maybe that's part of the Netflix effect. You know, you agree to let the cameras into your lives, and maybe you know there's a little extra good luck there, and then it propels you on to the championship golf. So you know, I want I want that narrative out there. You know, commit, the Netflix effect. I love that. That is brilliant. <laughs> I want a bit of that for myself. You, you mentioned season two earlier on, so I'm going to pick you up on it. There's going to be another one then, yeah? Is that confirmation? Well, we haven't announced anything or confirmed anything, so you're going to get a real politician's answer there. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we're, uh, we're excited about season one. We're hoping that everybody loves it as much as we love making it and everybody tunes in. And, uh, you know, certainly in our opinion, there's way more stories to tell in this world. And, I hope, you know, you guys all fall in love with these characters, you know, sort of seeing them in a new light. And, and we have no intent on, you know, walking away and stopping on telling those stories. So, uh, you know, I, I can't confirm anything yet. And uh, so just take it. What does success look like finally for this first season then, as far as you're concerned? I think success is just, uh, you know, people look at golf in a new way. I, I think that, you know, our, our hope was to really kind of, thread the needle of making something that the hardcore golf fans would really still find surprising and interesting and, and get a look at their favorite sport in a whole new light. Um, and then also to do something that appeals to a totally new audience and that, you know, you could watch with your wife or your, you know, your aunt or your uncle and you're getting calls and saying, Oh, now I get why you love golf so much because this is so interesting. These players are so cool. Um, so I think for us, you know, success looks like, People love it <laughs> and, you know, hopefully it, it has a, an effect on the game, you know, writ large and, and that, you know, rising tide lifts up, you know, everybody. Um, and, you know, I, I would just like to, uh, I would like to just do another season and, and get to have the Ryder Cup at the end. Like, no, I'll give up the Inside the team room and, and the American team room at the Ryder Cup. Oh my goodness, that would be so good. That'd be a dream come true. So, And I already feel like I'm living my dream. So, 
you know, you got to achieve one goal and you got to create another. So, uh, you know, that's where my eyes are. Fantastic. Well, look, Jad, thank you so much indeed for your time. Pleasure to talk to you and very best of luck with the, when the, the show comes out. I'm sure it's going to be an absolute smash hit. I can't see how it's not going to be. I watched Drive to Survive. I thought it was great. So very best of luck with the show. And look, if and when season two gets announced, we'd love to have you come back on and talk some more. Well, thank you so much, Michael. It's been great talking to you. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, just one more plug. It's Full Swing coming out February 15th on Netflix, all episodes dropping all at once. So, uh, you know, get your popcorn ready. That's a good point. How many episodes are we talking? Eight episodes. Eight episodes. And you'll be able to watch them all at once. Well, that that's my 15th of February sorted straight away. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Chad, Perfect. thank you so Thanks much indeed lot, for your time. Okay. Have a great one. Big thank you to Chad. What a nice guy and very exciting. Cannot wait. Well, I was going to say I can't wait to see that. That's disingenuous, Bryce. I have seen it. I have been lucky enough to see all eight episodes already of Full Swing. It's funny, I mentioned that on Twitter yesterday when I posted a review. If you want to see my thoughts on the series, head to the Bunkered website. And immediately I got this DM from someone saying, whoa, 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 whoa. How did you get to see it? Like, mate... <laughs> The same way that I get to go to the Masters yeah. Ryder Cup in the Open. So how long is each episode? Around about 40, 45 minutes. Yeah, it's all right. I'm, I'm reluctant to say too much because I don't want to make, give any spoilers or anything we'll, like that. But. Well, don't. There was another trailer released. There was a wee bit more in that trailer with Justin Thomas. And, you know, I saw Poulter getting asked if he was joining Live, you know, and so on. Liked it. I think it's going to be brilliant. I'm excited about it. And I can tell, I've deliberately said to you to keep your mouth shut, but I can tell you really liked it. How can you tell I really liked it? Because you just never shut up about it. I've hardly said a word about it. But you're itching to say something. I know you, you're itching to say something. There's, there's so a think, couple of things I know, in there see, I really want to talk about. See, I know you do, but I don't want you to because no, I don't want to give any spoilers. I'm, I'm not going to ruin it for anybody. The bit with the aliens was really weird. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think it's, I think people are going to love it. I was pleasantly surprised by it. And... It's just good telly, like genuinely good telly. So February the 15th on Netflix, full swing. If you don't have a Netflix account, just get one. I mean, who, who doesn't have a Netflix account these days anyway? I actually don't know anyone that doesn't have Netflix. Do you remember what Netflix used to be? No. When you had to like, I'm sure, or have I got this wrong? When you had to send the videos away and like, they would send you a DVD and then you'd send it back. Was that not Netflix in the original days? No. Or am I thinking of something else? But you're thinking of Blockbuster. No, no, you would go there for that. This was sent to your house. You would watch it and send it back. Oh, yeah. Uh, or was that Love Film or something like that? To I don't know. I'm sure Netflix did something like that no. back in the days. Maybe it was, yeah, Love Film or HMV or something. I don't know. HMV. Remember HMV? What does HMV stand for? I'll give you a clue. Think of the dog in the logo. Home music video or something, I don't know. His master's voice. Really? Apparently so. Good knowledge. There you have it. Right. <laughs> I love it when I look down at the notes and I see something that just tickles me, makes me feel good. Podder of merit, Mr. Ritchie. That's got to be luck. Luck or talent. Last luck. week, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, also known as the Gareth Bale Show, what did you think of the, the coverage of, of Mr. Bale? <sighs> Fine. 
I have to say, I didn't watch a huge amount of it. I think that tournament is really quite, it's a bit of a yawn fest. There's not really much golf. It's all, let's go and check out this guy. And it's just like, let's well, head over just, to the 13th and can there's we, Bill Murray. Can we just show some golf, please? Yeah. yeah. It was interesting. I don't know if you saw this on social media last night, but a few people a little bit miffed with the, the BBC. And obviously you had a spectacular rant about the BBC last week on this podcast where it said something along the lines of Gareth Bale impresses on PGA Tour debut as Justin Rose wins. Oh, what a headline that is. Brilliant. Brilliant. Justin Rose did indeed win. And if you were listening last week, you'll know that I picked him for Pollard of a Minute. You picked Seamus Power, I believe. Is that right? Yep. Tied 15th. Decent, but not great. Justin Rose wins... Two points for me. It's now Bryce one, Michael two, and I can choose Justin Rose again. again. I know. Brutal. Hasn't won in four years and you pick him. <laughs> Unbelievable. That, that's, that's luck. It's nothing else. There's no skill How's in it that. luck? It's just no luck. There's no skill that's, in that. That's called studying what's going on in the game studying and making an informed decision. Bollocks. It's luck. Waste Management Phoenix Open this week. TPC Scottsdale. Do you think we'll see much in the way of beer cans being thrown after yes. the, the you know what? Of last year? You know what? Could be worse. I wonder if they'll say something to people as soon as that happens, you're right, because it, it was close to getting slightly out of hand last time. That were Every time somebody had a good shot, they start, there's a few were coming on, you think, oh, this could get a bit messy. It'll be interesting to see how they police that. I'm not against it. I think it was good fun. Somebody one gets, week. Somebody gets a hole in one. Absolutely brilliant. What a laugh. Of course you should celebrate But you that. don't want to see it happening every couple of hours no. or somebody chips in or something or just gets a bit crazy. Yeah, it, it could get away from itself very quickly. Yeah, it's that type of tournament where that can happen, but I love this week. It is a great week. It's Super Bowl week, is it not? Super Bowl week Who's as in well? the Super Bowl? The Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. Ah. Don't and like it's in, about it's it. in, is it not being played in uh, Nevada? Where's it being played? I think it's it. Las Vegas. Is it not the Raiders stadium that they're playing at? Is that what it is? I think. I should really know that. Yeah, so a big party. Half a million people across the week show up to that tournament. Who is going to win it? And uh, the Super Bowl's on a Sunday, isn't it? Yeah. Shout out to Nuno Betancourt, who's doing the halftime show with Rihanna. Nuno, who appeared in the new Sam Smith song as well, I gather. So he's he's making the rounds. He's making the rounds as Nuno. Just move on. It was an extreme move on his part. Shut up. We should not sit in now. <laughs> so this week is my honour now after that skillful, skillful win Lucky last win. week. I am going for Ricky Fowler. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, did he not quite a good... Yep. A couple of years ago he played really reasonably well here. he's won Phoenix. He fell away. He, he, he likes the golf course. He, he plays likes, well does like the golf course. It's he's, not a bad shout. He's playing relatively well again. Sneaky. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. He had a bit of a... Ropey last few holes. Yeah. He didn't do very well in 16, as I recall. But yeah, he's he's my boy this week. Yeah. Interesting. What a laugh if he wins. Yeah, if, I think if he wins, I'll be... I I'll just give up, honestly. <laughs> who are you picking? I'm going to go with Max Homer. I oh, need to go with somebody shout. who's in a bit of form. Now, you're going big early in the tournament, though. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I if don't... Max doesn't win. Oof. No, I don't think... I'm not convinced he's got major status yet. I think he's a, I think he's got another year to go before he can start counting them in 
the big, big events. Mm-hmm. I just, something about it. But he's played this, I think it's the last four years in a row, and he's made the cut every time. He's had a top 10. It's not in California, though. And Max only wins in California. Is that right? No, I, I feel good about it. He's in a bit of form. Mm-hmm. He's a popular guy. I think he'll have the crowd on his side. I think he'll look forward to a week like this. He'll enjoy the the, the, the noise and the raucousness of it as well, I think. Yeah, and it, uh, yeah, I like it. Ricky Fowler versus Max Homer in this week's Podder of Merit. Bryce, one, Michael, two. Thank you, Justin. Thank Unbelievable. you. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. When you found out last night that he'd won, because it was obviously a Monday finish, what went through your head? What was the first thing that came to mind? Move on. Honesty box. Let's finish up there. Now, can't have escaped your attention, Bryce, because I know you're a big music fan, that the Grammys took place at the weekend. Again, a phenomenal performance by Sam Smith. It was quite interesting, the reporting afterwards. Bonnie Raitt won Song of the Year. I don't know for what song, but she won Song of the Year anyway. And the reporting of that was interesting. The Daily Mail, Mail Online, I think it was, referred to her as an unknown singer. A few other outlets did likewise because it wasn't Adele, it wasn't Beyonce, it wasn't Sam Smith. Bonnie Raitt is anything but unknown, correct? Yeah, I I, I saw that and uh, I can't decide whether they... Do you think it was a deliberate ploy? Do that deliberately just Mm. to get attention? I don't know. But she's ranked as one of the top, was it top 50 female singers of all time and she's in Rolling Stone's top 100 guitarists of all time so she's a blues guitarist she plays she's got quite a distinct style when you hear her she sounds like Bonnie Raitt it's like who's the guy that used to be the Cliff Richards guitarist Hank Marvin not Hank Marvin is that Hank Marvin I have no idea hold on a minute I'm going to have to check Hank Marvin Hank is it Hank Marvin it is when you hear Hank Marvin was he in the shadows I think he's in the shadows yeah he must have been yeah, he must have been. You have no idea. Not a clue. No. I know Cliff Richard was in The Shadows, but he's, well, for all yes. I know, he was in Take well, That he's, as well. He's, so. <laughs> I think he would like to have been in Take That. He sounds like Hank Marvin. What are we talking? Is this a golf podcast? Yep. yep. Anyway, anyway, she sounds distinct. Mm-hmm. To say she's an unknown is ridiculous. And you found a really good tenuous link to golf, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Which was, who's the most <laughs> underrated? What a, what a way to get to... <laughs> Jesus Unreal. Christ. It's a Sam Matterface tenuous link. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Sam Matterface. Thank God we don't have to live in this pish anymore. Do we have Clive Tilsley on soon? We have got Clive Tilsley on this podcast next week. Thank Mr. God for Richie. that. Thank yes, God that's a for spoiler that. alert. I know, sorry about that. So, yes. The, Something the, the to look quick. forward to. <laughs> eh? well, yeah, like, like full swing. Honestly, box the Underrated question. golfers. Yes. Name an most, underrated golfer. Who is the most criminally underrated golfer of all time? Semi. In much the same way as Bonnie Raitt was criminally <laughs> underrated post Grammys win. It is a tenuous link. Oh. Criminally underrated golfers. Shoot. That's really difficult. It's really difficult because I think as soon as you get to that level, you're, you're miles. If, you're, if you get to top 100 in the world, you're miles ahead of millions and millions and millions of golfers you can't understand how good somebody is Mm -hmm. to get into the top 100 like genuinely it's a different if anyone who's ever played with a tour player you'll never be able to do what they do it's just impossible that's again why bifurcation is it would be horrible okay but underrated now i i have one that i think stands out he didn't win a major 
He's won multiple times in the PGA Tour. He's one of the top 20 money leaders in PGA Tour history. Phenomenal, phenomenal golfer. Feels like he's always been around. Now he's on live. Chucky Three Sticks, Charles Howell III. I think he has had a very, very under the radar career. Well, he won, what, 40 million quid? Exactly. I don't know. How many times has he won? Three, I think. Three times. Now, you I, only make that amount of money by posting good finishes. Yeah. But now, the I, criticism might be he's not much of a winner. Yeah, and, and yeah, you would have to say that. But there's guys who've never won and have won a lot of money. There's guys who've never never won an event and won 14, 15 million quid. So I don't know about that. I wouldn't say he was... Do you think he's rated exactly where he should be rated? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think so. He's, a, he's, he's obviously a good player. I don't know if he's rated like that. I think underrated. I think if you go through players, you know, the last 30 years, guys who have been fantastic, probably a guy that would be underrated would be Jim Furyk. Okay. Furyk. Fourth highest earner in PGA Tour history. Yeah. Major champion. But if you asked a lot of people that, they wouldn't know that. And, if, you know, the guys... Yeah. The guy's won a lot of events, an unbelievable competitor. He's probably underrated because as soon as you put him in a US strip <laughs> and put him in the Ryder Cup, it all goes horribly His wrong. legs turn to scrambled eggs. He's just <laughs> a mess. He's got one, probably one of the worst records it is in the Ryder worst. Cup history. Awful. Of players who've played a particular number of matches. I yeah. mean, anyone can play in one Ryder Cup and lose all three Te matches. I mean, just but dreadful. of someone who's played routinely, regularly, he has the worst record. Of and I always said, why Why did he try and qualify for the Ryder Cup? Why, When it came to the fact that he was looking like he was going to qualify, why didn't he just pull out of events and <laughs> like fake a leg injury or something like that? Or <laughs> attempt to drown himself or something just so that he didn't have to get on the plane? Stand yeah. there to be introduced and then go through the whole process of Jim, you're gonna partner with Steve Stricker and uh oh Jim, you're gonna you're gonna partner with Tiger and just have go through this whole meaningful pre event mince mm -hmm. and then just play like a blonker for three days. Ouch. Genuinely, right, I think has harmed his overall persona in the world his legacy because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. he has at the biggest stage of like being on the stage as a star player he has consistently crumbled in the Ryder Cup and I reckon if if Jim Furyk had had Tommy Fleetwood's Ryder Cup career we would look at him differently but he hasn't he's done everything except be good in the Ryder Cup he's Abs won majors or a major he's won multiple PGA Tour events won a ton of money Shot a 59, he shot a 58 on tour, the only player ever to do that. But you're right, Ryder Cup. Yeah, you don't, get, you don't get people saying you you want to be a golfer, you want to be like, you know, oh, Greg Norman or yeah. like Jim Furyk. Uh, so I would pick Jim Furyk as good criminally underrated. What about the current US Ryder Cup captain, Zach Johnson? For me, he flies a wee bit under yeah, the radar. Now, I that's a guy that's won two majors yeah. at Augusta. Excuse me, and at the old course, not yeah. many players. Can there was a spell. That. It was a spell a few years ago where he was the most successful player on the PG. He'd won the most events in a in a certain period of time out with Tiger, and no one really batted an eyelid. I do think he's been a phenomenal servant, but again, he's not. 
He's not a big per these days. Big personalities come to the fore. Mm -hmm. and he's just not quite like that. He's quite quiet and unassuming until he steps on the thirteenth tee and tops it. Custom. He also put sweet corn or corn on the cob in the claret jug, and for that, I feel you yeah, know what that was that. So when he won the claret jug in twenty fifteen, sweet flies corn. back to the states, gets a corn in the cob, shoves it in the top of the claret jug, and then it's pictured biting into it. Like, that's. I can't say this any other way, Zach. <laughs> That's not what you're meant to put in it. Uh, but is he not quite, an, an, uh, is he not a heavy, you know... Vegetarian? <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to put a big steak in it, is he? <laughs> is he not quite religious, so maybe he doesn't drink? Is that not what it is? I know religious people who, I mean, r r religious people don't drink. Jesus turned water into wine, for God's well, sake. Well, a very you, good go, point. you go to a church that he's Sunday he's and they're heavy, passing around he, the, the altar wine. He, he's heavy religious. He's he's one of the guys, like he said, the only reason he won the Masters is because God was on his side in the back nine. Yeah. Like. That and the caddy. <laughs> and the shots that he had. <laughs> the caddy, when he said that, the caddy must have been thinking, oh, wait, wait a minute, I still get my 10%. <laughs> can You're going to give that to the church. <laughs> can I just check? What's, what percentage is Jesus on? 12. <laughs> Hang on. Oh, wait a minute. Did he give you the arty into 18 from the middle of the fairway? If he's so good, he can wear the white boiler suits. <laughs> he's already got the white robes. Get him carrying the bag next year, Zach. No, I do... <laughs> he's never coming on the pod. No, I do feel that Zach's a little bit a little bit underrated. But I think, yeah, I think you've nailed it. Jim Furyk's the man. Yeah, he is. I've nailed that. Well done. That is it for this week. As, as Bryce has already told you, next week, very special guest. We have football commentating royalty, Clive Tildesley, joining us for a chat. Yeah, sorry about that spoiler. That's all right. And the week after that, it is uh, Sam Matterface. I'll just take that week off, I think. <laughs> you can do that one. No, Clive is going to be joining us next week. Big into his golf. Big right. into his golf. Right. I can't so. wait to hear the sound of his voice on our podcast. I know. Brilliant. No. You should get, I take it you got him to do an introduction with his voice or did you forget to do that? It's all about the fourth wall. People are now going to know that I've recorded it already. Do you know what I mean? Well, they know that anyway. They might assume it's, it's modern coming world. Yeah, nah. I suppose. Nah. Nah. No, you, uh, you forgot to get him to do Welcome to the Bunkered Podcast so you could use that in advertising like on the radio. Yeah. You forgot, didn't you? Yeah. Brilliant. We'll talk I've about not that. done it with anybody else. All right, we'll talk about that when you've unclicked record. Okay. On that note, Bryce, thank you for your time. Pleasure as always. Thank you, Callaway, for your continued support. And thank you to you for listening. We'll be back this time next week. Or I might not be. It sounds like I'm getting sacked. But Bryce will certainly be back this time next week with special guest Clive Tildesley. Until then, thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now.